Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. Good to see each of you today. And I just want to wish my lovely wife and bride a happy Mother's Day and a happy Mother's Day to the rest of you mothers. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's okay. It's still okay to celebrate something that you individually are not. You know that, right? It's still okay. What we're seeing is in such an exaltation of selfishness around us. And that's why you see wickedness multiplying because the scripture says that where there is selfishness, selfish ambition, every evil thing is. And the good news of the gospel is that the kingdom of God is an invitation for us to no longer see life through a lens of just selfishness, but to see it through the lens of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So whether you're a mother or not, we can still celebrate mothers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I celebrate my wife, who's the mother of our three children, and appreciate her selflessness and her serving. And uh, with that being said, she's going to serve us today through the ministry of God's Word. And uh, so this time I want to invite my wife, Michelle, to the stage for the ministering of God's Word today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Dwelling Place Church. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms. We thank God for you. Join me in prayer. Father God, we worship you today. We thank you for your presence that is in this place. And we welcome you, Lord, to speak to us. We welcome you to instruct us, to meet with us, to show us more of your glory today, that we would be changed in the light of the face of Jesus conformed to his image, and being empowered to love the way you love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a pleasure to be here this morning with you guys. Of course, it's, a, it's Mother's Day, so I'm going to go ahead and take a minute to brag on one of my kiddos, Caleb. He had a little portion in the video that you saw, the little running man. <laughs> He did that, and so since it's Mother's Day, I'm just going to brag on him. He did a good job. You know, one of the beautiful things about motherhood is being able to see God develop the gifts um, in your children, and so it's okay to brag about that. All of you moms, you brag away. It's your right, (laughs) okay? Well, this morning, my message is titled, The Way of More. And as Pastor Craig said, we're continuing in the series, What Would Jesus Undo? And so today what I want to talk to you about is the desire for purpose and fulfillment. All of us are familiar with that desire, right? Every person on the face of the earth has the desire to know purpose and then the desire to feel feel fulfilled, have a sense of fulfillment in their life. And not only are these two things common desires, they're actually needs that we have. 
God-given needs that he has placed within each of us. And because they are needs, we will seek to meet them. Just like you seek to meet the need of hunger, you're going to seek to meet the need of understanding your purpose and then wanting a sense of fulfillment. Now, to meet these needs, we all kind of choose a different path. And some people will take the road of achievement. They'll pursue a specific career path, perhaps a specific business venture, all in the desire to meet purpose. Now, some people take the road of adventure. They'll travel the world and they'll immerse themselves in different cultures and get to know different people. They'll even climb mountains and surf big waves, all in the desire to meet the need of purpose. Then there's some that perhaps they'll decide, I'm going to be a servant. They see the needs of people all around them, and so they'll choose service. They'll give of themselves to meet the needs of others. All of these paths are admirable right? But something that is common is that in their pursuit of purpose and fulfillment, oftentimes people are left wanting. See, it turns out that that career, it's not exactly what they thought it would be. And that business, well, it fails or the money runs out and uh uh-oh, I can't be on my adventure anymore. It's got to come to an end. And all the serving and all the doing, it's very valuable, but it can also be very painful. And so people begin to move to the next thing and then the next thing, constantly looking for something that will satisfy the longing the longing for purpose and for fulfillment. Now, there's another aspect of this, and that is that there are some people who would see the pursuit as the purpose. And for these people, words like contentment and satisfaction are synonymous with words like settling and apathy. And so they think of people that are not in a constant pursuit of advancement, maybe in their job, in their career, or upgrading to the next economic status. They view those kinds of people as dispassionate, or even worse, lazy people. And they begin to put on others the pressure of more. And you know, as mothers, we can especially experience the pressure of more. The demands of motherhood can make you feel like there's nothing more for you to give. You know, moms are often the meal planners, the shoppers, the budget makers, the cooks, the bakers. Not me, I don't like to bake. I have a precious daughter who does, thankfully. We're the schedulers, making all the appointments. We clean the house. We wash the laundry, fold it, and put it away. We're the pep talkers, the disciplinarians. We're the story readers. 
One more story, mommy. We're the boo-boo healers, right? The diaper changers, the potty trainers. We're the homework helpers. We're the project assistants. Sometimes we do the projects ourselves. You know, if you're like me, I kind of, can you just move that little thing on the board? It's just off. We're the study buddies, the tutors. We're the chauffeurs. Nowadays, we're the electronic device monitors. How long have you been on that? You got 10 more minutes. We're the wives, the friends, the sisters, the daughters, the workers, volunteers, the business owners. Oh, it makes your head spin, all the duties of motherhood. And on top of that, we got to do it the right way. There's the pressure of doing it the right way. You got to have a good attitude. You can't lose your patience. You can't raise your voice. You got to do it with a smile on your face. You even got to do it with washed hair and wearing something other than a t-shirt and leggings. The audacity. And don't forget to drink plenty of water, to eat right, and to work out every day. Moms experience the pressure of more. But even in church... Among believers, we can believe that because God has promised us an abundant life, that means that more should be our aim in all areas of life. But today, I would like for us to understand that often our definition of more and God's definition of more are not the same. Our definition of more often seeks to define who we are. And when it does, that is when God will seek to undo the more in our lives that he knows is unnecessary. And he even knows that ultimately that which we think is more is working against our purpose and fulfillment. So today... If you are the more mom, supposedly you've got it all together. But what happens when you don't? Perhaps a ball that you're juggling in the air falls. Well, if you are the more mom that is defining herself through more, you're going to feel like a failure. But if your identity is found in Christ and you're allowing him to define more in your life, then you can live with a mind that is at peace and a heart that is settled in the acceptance and love of your father. Amen. Now, God calls all of us, not just moms, in Christ to live for eternal purposes. And now that we are in Christ, we are to live for the will of God, that which pleases the Father. See, the critical issue on our journey of following Jesus now becomes that we are to lay down our life, our definition of more, each day so that Christ can live through us. And God isn't asking you to live for more accomplishments, for more stuff, for more duties, for more activity. He's inviting you to a walk of obedience. And in this walk, God leads you 
to more. More that fulfills. More that lasts. More that gives and doesn't take. More that instead of feeling exhausted, you feel alive. More that actually matters. There is a way of more. And in John chapter 4, one day Jesus is heading to Galilee. And he's passing through Samaria. And he grows tired and he stops by a well. And there's a woman who comes along and so he asks her to draw water for him. And she is astonished that Jesus, a Jew, would ask this of her. And in verse 9, the Samaritan woman says to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Hello? (laughs) How can you ask me for a drink? Don't you understand that Jews do not associate with Samaritans? And Jesus answers her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answers, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman says to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied, and Jesus says to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now, in this story, we see that you have a woman who's been seeking more for a very long time. In this day and age, for a woman, marriage is everything. It is her supply for all things, her supply for security, her supply for provision. It's her identity. It is her purpose. And without it, the hope of fulfillment is lost. And for sure, the hope for being loved is lost with it as well. So this woman is seeking her identity, her value in marriage. But after five, she's left wanting. I mean, I feel like I'd give up, but she keeps going. So Jesus comes along and he opens her eyes to the truth that only in receiving the gift of God can her thirst be satisfied. He says, if you knew the gift of God. And what is that gift? It is Jesus himself, salvation, and it is the kingdom of God. In Romans 14 and 17, Paul says to us, 
The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Most people, and even believers, are focused and living a life of only eating and drinking. They're focused on the temporary, focused on the temporal, focused on more for self, focused on more that will simply fade away. And when satisfaction from what is currently on the menu of life starts to fade, they'll look for something else to eat and drink. And the cycle of eating and drinking looks like this. They'll leave that job and start a new one. The novelty will fade when the boss doesn't meet their expectations. They'll move to a new city, and the novelty will fade when the winters become too harsh. For me, that's a for sure. I'm going warmer, not colder. They'll start a new relationship, and the novelty will fade when the romantic spark starts to dim. They'll buy that bigger house, and the novelty will fade, and they'll be left with more rooms to clean. No, thank you. But Christ has made it possible for us to shift focus from just eating and drinking to receiving the gift of God, which is the kingdom of God that is full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 3, 4 calls it an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Jesus wants to undo the cycle of living for just eating and drinking. And he wants us to begin to walk in and enjoy our inheritance in Christ. Amen? Now, the gift of God is righteousness. Christ has made us righteous. That means that through the new birth, righteous is who we are. It is who you are. We have a fixed position of right standing before God, thanks to the blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says that he paid the penalty of our sin and gave us his righteousness as our own. And now, thanks to Christ, our pursuit of righteousness is over. Instead, we are now liberated to live righteously. Amen? Amen. And this is really vital because it meets our need for purpose. In Christ... We can now do works of righteousness. That means our life can count for something. And isn't that what we are pursuing when we want purpose? We want our lives to count for something, to mean something. And because we've been made righteous and we've been given righteous works to do, our labor now in Christ can matter. You teaching teenagers in a middle school matters now for eternity, not just for Wednesday. Amen? Amen. 
The fact that you work a job at Kohl's can actually matter for eternity, not just for the nine to five. Your labor in Christ can serve an eternal purpose. Even better, it can serve a purpose greater than just yourself. And what you are now asked to pursue is more than just temporal and more than just temporary. We are now called to do good works, works of obedience to the Father, works that will minister his love, his truth, his healing, his power <clears throat> to those around us. When we walk in those works, our need for purpose is fulfilled. When we drink of the water that Jesus gives, it becomes in us a wellspring of life. That means you can be satisfied. That sense of emptiness, it will dissipate. The questions of why am I here, they are answered. The longing for meaning beyond today and this life is fulfilled. Did you know that God gives us gifts for a purpose? The gift of righteousness is given to you to instill in you the reality, the truth of God's pleasure in making you. Did you know that when he made you, he took pleasure in making you? It's one of the reasons why we believe in the sanctity of life. Amen? The gift of righteousness instills in you the truth that you matter to God. He took pleasure in making you, and it assures you that he has a unique plan for your life. Jesus is the gift of God for your need of purpose. Have you found Jesus to be your wellspring of life? That's the question today. Have you found in him the forgiveness of sin? Has he set you free from the fear of not being enough or living a life without meaning? Have you found him to be the reason for living? If you've not done that, I invite you today, just as he invited the Samaritan woman to come and drink of him. The gift of God is righteousness, but the gift of God is also peace. In Romans 5 and 1, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, justification is that gift of righteousness we just talked about. Because we've been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Jesus has given us peace with God, and he has brought us into the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of peace. That means peace is not something we are trying to attain. It is something we have. It's not outside of us. It is within us. Thanks to Christ.
So why do we often lack the experience of peace? Well, if you go to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7, it says that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So when you begin to give into the pressure of more, what has really happened is that you've shifted your focus of mind. You've had a shift in focus. Your mind, which once focused on the Spirit's desire, has now started to focus on the flesh desires. And when that happens, you forfeit your peace. Because, see, peace involves choice. The experience of peace is connected to what you choose to allow in your life. We forget that. We forget that we have a choice to have peace. What you're giving your attention to is what will put your peace at risk. So if you're giving too much attention to selfish ambition, it's going to cost you peace. If you're unwilling to compromise with your spouse because you want your way, it's going to cost you peace. If you're reluctant to give up what is causing your family financial strain, because of what others may think, it's going to cost you peace. If you're pursuing a purpose that God has not called you to because of pride, it's going to cost you peace. Moms, if you're focusing on being the super mom instead of just being mom, it's going to cost you peace. If you're allowing the world to set the standard of what a good mom is, it'll cost you peace. If you're being driven by a desire to impress with your parenting, I know what, more than you, it's going to cost you peace. And you are thinking with a mind of the flesh instead of with the mind of the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, when you take up the mind of the Spirit, He will give you power to be the mom that your kids need. He will give you wisdom to direct you in your parenting. The Holy Spirit will give you strength when you feel weak. And when you allow Him to govern your thinking, you will know how to handle that little three-year-old that's having a meltdown or that teenager that is questioning everything or that college student that is searching. The Holy Spirit will empower you and the mind of the Spirit will give you life and peace. And a mom tip for all of you mommies, you don't have to be that mom. You don't have to be that mom. 
You don't have to be Michelle mom. You don't have to be your mom mom. You have to be mom to the children that God has given you. When you're comparing yourself to other moms, that's a peace killer. So what are you giving attention to that is putting your peace at risk? Peace is a choice. You can choose to forfeit it, focusing on the wrong things. Or you can choose to walk in it by allowing the Spirit of God to govern your thinking. God's will for your life is that you would live in peace. That is his will. But you have to choose it. The result of your obedience to the Father is the experience of his peace. So you choose peace today. Recognize those areas where you've allowed your focus to shift, where you've begun to choose the flesh over the spirit. And just be honest with the Lord and surrender your mind again and allow peace to flood in. Amen? The gift of God is righteousness. The gift of God is peace. And the gift of God is joy. Now, the world has little understanding of joy. For the unbeliever, joy is dependent on circumstances. And it is lost when circumstances change. Thank you, Miss Dorothy. Thank you. Achievement of goals can bring a sense of joy, right? If you're a sports person, I'm not, but I mean, I know like if Chad wins a three-on-three tournament, he feels joyful. I mean, he is happy, okay? Or my daughter, when she does amazing at her ballet recital, she feels joy. Achievement brings a sense of joy. A relationship can bring a sense of joy. But when feelings change, what happens? That sense is lost. When your next goal is not achieved, the sense of joy is lost. And for the believer, joy is a gift we have been given through our relationship with Jesus Just like righteousness, just like peace, it's something we have. Because we're in right standing with God, we can always have joy. For the believer, Jesus is our joy. He is the source. He is the supply. He is the reason. And because he is joy, he cannot be lost. Amen? Now, at times, we may not experience it or feel it. And isn't that what we want? We want to feel joyful. And so even though at times you may not feel joy, it is present. It is accessible. Because Jesus cannot be lost. 
and because Jesus is still abiding within. So why do you not always experience or feel joy? Well, interestingly enough, experiencing biblical joy is dependent on our fellowship with Jesus. Notice how all of these gifts are dependent on something. Righteousness is, the gift of righteousness is dependent on who? On the giver of righteousness. The gift of peace is dependent on your choice. The gift of joy is dependent on your fellowship with the giver of joy. Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you've not been experiencing joy, I would ask you to consider how often you've been in the presence of Jesus. A while back, my kids and I went to visit my parents for, I think it was like fall break or something. And we were sitting one night in the living room and my parents were talking about the old days. And my dad puts on a video, which they're going to show a clip of it in just a minute. He begins to show this video of this church in Chile. In Chile. Sorry, I got to say it the right way. In Chile. <laughs> it's a very large church. They have campuses all over the world. And he puts on this video because they start singing this old song that, man, I mean, it's older than probably my parents, but we used to sing it as a little chorus. And they started showing this video, and in the video, you, as the people are worshiping, and, you know, it's not a fancy sanctuary, they're not professional singers, but as they begin to sing, my kids are watching, and, you know, they don't speak Spanish, so they don't really understand, but they begin to sense and feel the presence of the Lord. And in the video, as they begin to sing, you see the lady in the purple sweater. And this lady in the purple sweater, as they begin to sing, she begins to spin. And she's singing and she's worshiping. You can play it just so they can see for a minute. That's okay. It's okay. She begins to spin, okay? And she is just worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. Now, throughout this video that lasts about 10 minutes, the video goes for 10 minutes. They keep, you know, showing different people in the audience, but they keep coming back to the lady in the purple sweater, and she keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. And they'll zoom out, and they'll show her again, and she's still spinning. And finally, my kids say, how is she doing that? How is she not getting dizzy? And how is she not falling over? I mean, it's 10 minutes of spinning and spinning and spinning. And my dad says, oh, she's not there. 
she's in the spirit. And my mom says to my kids, how she's dancing with Jesus. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And something else that's interesting as you see her spinning is that she never moves. Because in the presence of Jesus, when you find joy, you are immovable by your circumstances. There is nothing that can move you when you're lost in the presence of Jesus. And listen, it is in his presence where the weight of your circumstances is lifted. It is in his presence where you cast off every burden and place them on the strong shoulders of Jesus. It is in his presence where you bring your pain and you find him to be the healer. It is in his presence where light dispels darkness that is clouding your thinking. It is in his presence where truth exposes deceit. It is in his presence where peace breaks through every fear. It is in his presence where the anointing comes and breaks the yoke of bondage. It is in his presence where worry is swallowed up in the assurance of his provision. It is in his presence where direction is found at the instruction of his word. It is in his presence where courage is given to fight the battle. It is in his presence where your crushed heart finds restoration. It is in his presence where you find hope for tomorrow. It is in his presence where you are fulfilled. So if you are lacking the experience of his joy, I say to you, get in his presence and find in him a joy that is full of glory, a joy that cannot be understood, a joy that allows you to stand firm and not be moved by the circumstances circumstances of life, a joy that understands that even in the darkest seasons, he remains and you can have joy. You can experience it. You can live it because Jesus is joy. You don't need to seek it outside of anything or anyone else. He is the gift of joy that you're longing for today. And Jesus gives you that gift for a purpose. When you find yourself fulfilled in the presence of Jesus, you find in him to be the joy that you need to endure all things. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says that fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God because his eyes were fixed on joy. And when your eyes are fixed on Jesus, who is joy, you can endure all things. And listen, this is what distinguishes us from the world. The world cannot endure When circumstances change around them, they falter. 
They do grow dizzy. They will fall over. They cannot have stability. But for those of us whose eyes are fixed on Jesus, we can endure even the worst of circumstances. We can be full of joy when circumstances change. We can be full of joy because we abide in him and he abides in us. In fact, it is his abiding presence that gives us assurance. Amen? It is his abiding voice that instructs us. It is the fact that he abides within us that enables us to have the power of the Spirit to guide us. It is because he abides within that we can have lasting joy. He is our joy because he knows tomorrow. And so we don't have to be afraid. He is our joy because he orders our steps. And he assures us of his promises. He is our joy because we know that he is continually working in us. His good, his pleasing, his perfect will as we stay submitted to him. I came across this story and I wanted to read it to you. It says, legend has it that a wealthy merchant during Paul's day had heard about the apostle and had become so fascinated that he determined to visit him. Band, you can actually go ahead and come up. So when passing through Rome, he got in touch with Timothy and arranged an interview with Paul, the prisoner. And stepping inside his cell, the merchant was surprised to find the apostle looking rather old and physically frail. But he felt at once the strength, the serenity, and the magnetism of this man who relied on Christ as his all in all. So they talked for some time, and finally the merchant left. And outside the cell, he asked Timothy, what's the secret of this man's power? I've never seen anything like it before. Did you not guess, replied Timothy, Paul is in love. And the merchant looked puzzled in love, he asked. Yes, said Timothy, Paul is in love with Jesus Christ. And the merchant looked even more bewildered. Is that all, he asked? And Timothy smiled and replied, that is everything. That is everything. More or everything isn't something, it's someone. What your soul craves isn't something, it's someone. The search was over. What are you still searching for? See, the pressure of more pushes you to start the search again. 
it's pointless. You've already found whom your soul craves. There's nothing else to find. And today he reminds you that he is the wellspring of life. He reminds me to draw from him. you're a weary mom today draw from him strength if you're confused and you're uncertain about the next step to take you can draw from him today oh how he longs to give you the wisdom you need how he longs to embrace you and guide you today you find yourself angry today, filled with unforgiveness. Today you can draw from his grace power to forgive and to release. If you're filled with self-hatred, self-doubt, condemnation, I promise you're not the only one here like that today. But you can draw from him truth that you are loved, you're precious to him. In fact, you are his. You are chosen. And that is the gift of God. A never-ending supply. A source to draw from for your every need. He is Jesus. And he is here. He's not left you. Now perhaps you've moved from his embrace, but today he says, come back and let me embrace you again. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.